now the podcast starts. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to the podcast where we talk about horror. Sometimes we talk about other things, and sometimes we swear. I am T.D. Velasquez, but as always, you can call me Dan, and I am joined by an amazing four-strong panel for the first time in a while. Um, we have the power of four. <laughs> so, first of all, we have Kirsty War. Hello, Kirsty. Hello. <laughs> and there you will have just no, heard that, okay. <laughs> yeah we just had an intonation from dr stella gaynor hello stella <laughs> excellently <laughs> consistent yeah um I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to work out exactly what that reminded me of. Um, and finally, we have, hello, Ian Winterton. I'm going to give you the, the cue, but you're not going to say it. No, I'm not. Say hello, Ian. That's totes cringe now. Yeah. Oh, don't say that. Okay. <laughs> we've, we've moved on from that. Okay. It's so wonderful to be able to see all three of you. Um, you know, we are the, the four main hosts of this podcast, obviously, with a, always sparing a thought for Howard, who's never able to be here but um in spirit is here and in fact i'll I'll be giving you a bit of a mention later on um but it's wonderful to see all three of you how are you all kirsty should we start with you uh okay can do um i i think there's gonna be a theme here i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) oh i am tired it is the you know for the middle of very long term i was in london week last weekend down in that there london uh doing family birthday stuff uh went to Fortnum and mason's for afternoon tea lovely um but i yeah i i'm just you know it, it was a lovely weekend but i'm just very tired now and i just want to sleep just want to sleep so if you hear snoring at some point in the <laughs> podcast i've not said anything oh. i'll be asleep in the corner <laughs> okay I, I think there may be other suspects um, <laughs> as well. On that note, how are you feeling, Ian? I'm tired. <laughs> um, but because I've been catching up and I've been doing a, another draft of my script and I've just been deleting words for three days now to make it long and to make it the right length, and and it still isn't finished and it's got to be in tomorrow. But I couldn't cancel you guys again oh. also oh. it's because i went to prague which was actually full of horror stuff i went to a house where john d used to live yeah all oh, right it was it was kind of a bit hokey as in it had lots of models of skeletons and fake cobwebs but the history of it was uh it was genuinely the house where john d stayed with oh, some really? other necromancers and other things like that and 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 one of the things is maybe Shakespeare, because there's references to the, an Englishman. And it's it's long been a legend that Shakespeare, during his missing years, inspired by Dr. Faustus from Marlow, went to Prague. And that kind of led into some of his other spookier stuff. Mm. But, um, right. bollocks. But I would recommend <laughs> Prague for genuinely for horrors of fan, fans of horror. It is yeah. a place full of. The ghost walks were amazing that we went on. Cool. And this place was brilliant. Um, and also, mm. I went to see The Cure, who aren't usually there, but they are also no. there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <They're not laughs> that was the reason for going, to see The Cure. But that, that, the idea, suddenly, I mean, I don't want us this to be a podcast, we're just giving away ideas for films or narratives, but you know, I'd, I'd watch a film about 
John Dee in Shakespeare in Prague. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I would. I did think that. Definitely. I think it made me think it's probably you probably find it's been done by some low budget thing a million times. But yeah. yeah. No, it was really interesting. There was lots of I mean there's so many grim stories in Prague. Ancient and modern. Um but yeah. But yeah, yeah, I would recommend anyone going to Prague and looking up John Dee's house. Uh, right, okay. That's really cool. Oh. The people that yeah. used to live with. Yeah, I didn't realise that till I till I just yeah. mentioned it. Actually, yeah. It's actually I've actually got something horror adjacent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fantastic. See <laughs> all comes together. Stella, how about you? Are you tired as well? Uh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm in coming to the end of uh reading week, so I've not been teaching all week. I've been at home. But um yeah, I'm tired like Kirsty, halfway through a because this semester's always the hardest one, I feel. Uh yeah. so yeah, I'm just um thinking about the end. <laughs> the end of the semester, not the end of the world. And uh yeah, I'm tired. But I had a ill-advised after four o'clock coffee, so who knows where we'll go. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> wow. Oh, so wow. There's a weird yes. tangent from Stella that will be caffeine-related. Yes, wow. so sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, also in, in, other, in other good news, I feel, because this is the, an awful long slog, but I had my first... Christmas party. Uh, what day is it? Tenth of November. Yeah, it's probably yeah, around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's on the eighth of yeah. December, so it's well, you like know, people get books a up. Month away. I know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. I'm going to a Christmas wow. party. That's the day <laughs> after <laughs> my <laughs> driving test. Oh, I'm so, doing a driving test. So, oh uh, gosh. Again, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the, my second one this year. So, uh, okay. yeah. So. I, I, I shall let you all know how I go on that, and um, oh, yeah. um, I may request fourth time. Yeah, for it's, me, it's like so second you know. time for me, so um, I, I think the odds are against me. Oh, that's that's a link to the subject of oh, this episode, hey. isn't it? I th- <laughs> yeah, the, the odds the just aren't in your in favour. Um, before we go into the topic, has anybody got any? Uh, news from the world of horror or anything that's that's they'd like to mention. Oh, I do. And it's, oh, is it? it's Hannibal related. <laughs> oh, superb! How so, how unexpected. So, uh, so last week, Ryan. Oh, there was uh, yeah on my various Twitter. Obviously, mm. I'm spending less time there now. Obviously, Ryan Fuller right. uh, uh, has announced that he's got a new film project. I think it's called. I want to call it. Say it's called Dust Bunny. I'm just trying to find now. Um, but with starring, um, starring uh, Mass, Mass Mickelson. Right. So, okay. Yeah, they're working together, and it yeah, it sounds horribly. I'm trying to find now, and it's it's like. Funny, and I'm not sure what Google is going to give me now. Um, yes, Dust Bunny. That's what it's called. Dust. Yes. All oh, right. Um, okay. So, Dust Bunny. Yeah, it's a ho- horror film, they, they say. Right, so, okay. Yeah. With, uh, cool. Reuniting yeah. the Titans. Yes. Yeah, so that's nice. I should look forward to that, obviously. That's fantastic. I shall put a link in the show notes. Uh, that's reminded me of a bit of news I've got. 
Um, I'm involved in the recording a second series of the sketch comedy podcast, uh, The Faces at the Window at the mm-hmm. moment, and I recently Yay. had to record a sketch which I didn't write, but in which I had to play a man who, who a delusional <laughs> man who believes he is Matt Mickelson. That was that, that was the concept. So. Um, did you, I, I found did myself... you do, do an impression? <laughs> Can we hear the impression? No, I did. No. I, I thought um, was uh, he's got he's got a sound absolutely as unlike Mads Mickelson as possible because his okay. first line was "I'm Mads Mickelson, I am." So um, so I just did it in a sort of somerset. "I'm Mads Mickelson, I am." Um, that will come out over Christmas okay. anyway. <laughs> For the listeners' benefit, um, yeah, there's nothing to link to at the moment, but I, w- I will put the links up with the future episode when that's out. Or, or for the so. last last series, which I enjoyed very much. Oh, brilliant! Well, yes, and that's all still up there. So yes, we'll, we'll put a link to the the previous series. And um, thank you so much, Kirsty. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was in the, uh, the 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 before times, before the pandemic. I know, but I think I listened recorded. to it in the in times. I think that's what oh, I okay. Got, got, yeah, listen to it. I think I, I listened to it in the very similar time I was listening to The Sink and it fitted really nicely with The right. Sink. Oh, that's wonderful. That's an amazing comparison as well. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you, Kirsty. We're very proud of it. I'll, I'll put that link in there. Are you all um, listening to uh, Danny Robbins's yes. latest? Yeah, although I've not finished this, this week. Yeah, I've not finished this week's episode yet, so. But no, yes. no, I won't give. Well, obviously, no spoilers, but our listeners should listen to that because hopefully, mm-hmm. Danny said he's up for having another interview at some point. And I'm going to see his play. I'm going to London at the end of the month to see another play, and have a work meeting. And I've also yeah. finally, I'm going to see Danny's play Two Twenty Two, a ghost story, on yeah. stage. I, I I'm in the front the row, and I, I have a feeling that <laughs> yeah. the dark gap in between. Where my feet are on the stage will be actually the scariest place to be. Probably. Because <laughs> wow. it's empty spaces. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. But it's supposed to be great. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, Ghost, I'm loving the um, the Witch Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh... I've not heard any of it yet. Well, so Library Battersea Poltergeist, you, it's really worth listening to them as they go out live because they get affected by the outside world and they have yeah. special, you know, people's tweets and. Discoveries come in, okay. So it's good to sort I'll of catch up this be weekend. listening to them as they go out. Yeah, good, good reminder there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really good. Yeah, they're going to be episodes on, yeah. on Monday, yeah, yeah. aren't they? Monday, right, right. Okay, that's yeah, my homework yeah, for this weekend. Yeah. Morning. <laughs> yeah, I always save mine so that I can go for a spooky walk. It's like it's only half an hour, and if I just listen to it, yeah, somewhere non-spooky. And I've wasted it, so I always wait till I go out <laughs> into the misty woods. And <laughs> if it's really good, I have to turn it off. It's a good sign. It's a good wow. sign. <laughs> but you feel like you're being followed. Taking your headphones off. It's like it's a sign that something's good. <laughs> it makes you feel like you're being followed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you, or you jump if a jogger goes past or something. All right, mate, calm Dog down. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. All right, well, that's a definite recommendation. Yes, definitely. I'll, I'll, definitely. I shall put that link in the show notes as well. And yeah, yeah, um, mm. yeah. And I'm very jealous that you're getting to go to see his play because I'd love to see that. I know. Well, when I found out I was going to London, I thought, could I? 
could I get actually book in another player oh, as well? Good. And I, and I mm. could. Cool. So I have. So. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Okay, folks, I think it's time we talked about the actual topic of today's episode. So it's a little bit horror adjacent, this topic. Um, although I found it a rather horrific movie while I was watching it, but I also became aware that it is often described as an action film. It is The Hunger Games, which incredibly is 10 years old this year. It came out in 2012. In case you're not familiar with this movie or with the novel upon which it is based, I am going to read out a summary of the plot, what I wrote myself. Jennifer Lawrence plays the wonderfully named Katniss Everdeen, a teenager living in a future version of North America which has become an authoritarian state named Panem, a name derived from the Latin phrase Panem et Circenses, meaning bread and circuses, one of many references to ancient Rome throughout the story. Um, I have to admit, I didn't know that all along. I had to look it up. Um, in Panem, <laughs> the decadent capital under President Snow, played by Donald Sutherland, rules over 12 districts that have numbers, not names. 74 years previously, a 13th district attempted to rise against the capital and was destroyed, and for every year since in this bread and circuses state, the titular games have been held to remind the remaining districts of their lowly place. Every year, each of the remaining districts has to offer up two tributes from among its young. The 24 tributes are then placed in a vast, specially designed arena and made to fight each other, a contest screened for the entertainment of the masses, and there can only be one winner. At the reaping, the selection of tributes for the 74th annual Hunger Games, Katniss's younger sister Prim is selected to represent their district, but Katniss saves Prim from this fate by volunteering as tribute in her place. Katniss and fellow District 12 tribute Peter Malark, Josh Hutchison, are then prepared for the coming ordeal by Capital Representative Effie Trinket, Elizabeth Banks, former champion Haymitch, Woody Harrelson, and fashion guru Sinner, Lenny Kravitz. When the games begin, incessantly watched over by the Capital's indolent elite as well as by the working people of the districts including Katniss's boyfriend Gail, Liam Hemsworth. It soon becomes clear that Katniss and Peter's best chance to win the affection of the viewers and to survive the games is to convince the public that they are not merely compatriots but star-crossed lovers. Meanwhile, they must fight for survival not just against tributes like themselves, but against four volunteer tributes from wealthier districts known as Koreas, who have trained their whole lives for the games. Before we begin our discussion, which likely will contain some plot spoilers for The Hunger Games and its sequels, so if you haven't seen those movies, beware, go and watch them now. Have a listen to the trailer for the 2012 film. We could do it, you know. Take off, live in the woods. They'd catch us. Well, maybe not. We wouldn't make it five miles. 
The time has come to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th Annual Hunger Games. It's your first year prim. Your name's only been in there once. They're not gonna pick you. Tribute. Our tribute, Peter Malark and Katniss Everdeen. They just want a good show. That's all they want. There's 24 of us, Gail. Only one comes out. So you're here to make me look pretty? I'm here to help you make an impression. And so it was decreed that each year the 12 districts of Pan Am shall offer up in tribute one young man and woman between the ages of 12 and 18 to be trained in the art of survival and to be prepared to fight to the desert. This is the time to show them everything. Make sure they remember you. I just keep wishing that I could think of a way to show them that they don't own me if I'm gonna die. I want to still be me. I just can't afford to think like that. So that was the trailer for The Hunger Games, based on the novel by Suzanne Collins, the phenomenally popular young adult um, uh, futuristic bestseller. And the movie was directed by Gary Ross, who I realised in researching for this is the director of Pleasantville. Does anybody remember that? Oh, yes. also, oh yeah. yeah. He got kind of squashed off. by the Truman Show, didn't it, in my memory? Yeah. Uh, yeah, although there were kind of quiet voices at the time saying this is actually better than the Truman Show. Yeah. But it, it, it was kind of obscured by it. Um, and he later went on to direct the only Oceans movie I've seen, the quite enjoyable Oceans 8. Yeah, I've got yeah. an interesting um, bit of trivia about the Hunger Games and the Oceans. Oceans oh, yeah. Movies. So, um, so um, Gary Ross and Steven Soderbergh were mates, our mates. Um, and so uh, he got uh, Soderbergh to come and be the second unit director for the District 11 sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so that like <laughs> like the most famous, <laughs> possibly, you know, more famous than the actual director, second unit director, Stephen Soderbergh. Right, I didn't know so, that. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. That is, that's kind of weird. So, that is um, weird. It's like, go- come and do this, you know. Um, but what, what Gary Ross proves, proves very much is uh, with the Oceans movie is that he can absolutely pretend he's another director. <laughs> right, that's, that's a sort of backhanded compliment. Okay, uh, we'll get into that. But, but yeah, I would if I'd not just read it, I wouldn't have connected these two films stylistically. No. Um, so yeah, so Gary Ross directed it and co-wrote the script with uh, Suzanne Collins and Billy Ray. And um, we've got a really interesting cast, um, including uh, 
as I mentioned, Jennifer Lawrence, but also Josh Hutcherson um, as the other tribute from the same district. Um, Peter. One Peter. of the Hemsworths. <laughs> I can... Liam. Oh, Peter. New, new Witcher. Is it new Liam Hen- Yeah, New Witcher. Yes. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. right. So has Henry Cavill stepped out of that? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Oh, I didn't know. Um, yeah. And also um, Lenny Kravitz and yes. Elizabeth Banks and yeah. Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. and, and Donald Sutherland as the president. Sorry, Kirsty. Don't forget and, the star of the show. Stanley Tucci and Toby yeah. Jones. Oh, Stanley. Yes, yes, right. of course. I, I did fail to mention the, the wonderful Stanley Tucci. On the Brit. My... I love that he loves this country so much. Yeah. That he lives here. <laughs> yes. And doesn't want he's, to go back he's... to America. <laughs> he's very comfortable isn't he um, and but we've also got uh, Toby Jones in this movie affecting an American accent as one of the other TV pundits mm. which is rather nice I'm always glad to see him so um, that's the movie um, I think uh, let's do, do a, quick, a quick rundown I've only seen this one film I'm familiar with the book the contents of the book because I've recently done some work on it with one of my students but I haven't read the book have all of you um, seen the? Obviously, you've all seen the film, but are you all familiar with the other films, the books, and so on? Yeah. Not hugely. Yeah. I've kind of run. I've lost track of which other films I've seen, which doesn't say much about my engagement with them. Right. Um, but I've kind of watched them with my children. I've watched the first one quite a few times and really liked it, and then my interest has kind of tailed off watching them with my children mm. to the point yeah. where I probably was doing other things while they were on. Whereas That's the first so film I was solidly into. Um, okay. but, uh, um, Stella and Kirsty, you're much more into these films than we are. Would Is that I is am. that me just not paying attention or is the first no, film first massively one is, better? The first one is better. It is. It is. They um, really yeah, wanted to rush the... Um, as you know, as studios do, if it was Lionsgate, they really wanted to get the sequels in as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Gary Ross initially said, "Okay, I'm I'm on board for that," and then then he really wasn't happy with their mm-hmm. schedule, um, and so he backed out. So, and then I think yeah. the rest of it is um, Francis Lawrence who directed Jennifer yes. Lawrence yeah. and um, Red Sparrow. Yeah. And, uh, yes. Yeah. They. I remember. I remember, mean, okay, I remember even my kids sort of saying, "This is like a TV episode." like it's ended mm. halfway through it's like yeah. didn't feel like a two hour movie it felt like an episode which yeah. some people have argued that's actually what modern TV does that's 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 something that doesn't put kids off in the same way as it might have done if we're think, yeah. we're just old and thinking Star Wars has to be like chapters yeah. of epic stuff Lord of the Rings has to be epic stuff and they're more used to let's watch like 50 Marvel movies that all feel like two hour TV episodes so maybe that's maybe that's just the new cinema and the Hunger Games was just ahead of the curve or maybe it was just lazy and they were churning them out well seeing as we've um, gone to discuss the kind of the overall franchise I just wanted to read you um, a detailed and insightful review that our friend Ross Kelly sent to me of the entire Hunger Games movie franchise he says, first one good, others pants. That's my view. <laughs> Shit sandwich. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Stella, you read the books as well, haven't you? Is that also true of you, Kirsty? Um, I've not read. 
I only read the first book and then was like a couple of different people went uh, that the other ones are not as good like and they, you know sort of diminishing returns so I just thought I'm not going to bother Okay. Um, so, but, um, but I, yeah, but yeah. Sorry, I, I um, think I read overviews of them. And that's not the same thing right now. Well, I think that's fine. Um, so I've seen only the first two films, um, and we're men. We're going to be discussing the first film in detail in the same kind of way that uh, we justified talking about the Lord of the Rings in horror context. The first one is the scariest. Um, in the the Hunger Games, I thought the first one had a sense of, of, of real oppression about it um, and I wasn't really, com- I didn't come to it expecting an action movie so I didn't really read it like that um, I I mainly um, just uh, felt the kind of oppressive uh, joyless dystopian atmosphere, it actually reminded me a bit of The, the Handmaid's Tale mm. yeah um, yeah and and when I went to watch the second film, which I also enjoyed, there, there are hints in that that, that um, the dystopian um, hopelessness kind of lifts a bit too easily, which is why I didn't go on and, and, and watch further. But certainly in the first one, it's it's got this great, um, uh, this very, very convincing... Uh, dystopian world which you can't really say, see a way out from for the, for the kind of heroic sympathetic mm. characters mm. um, um, Kirsty yeah. should we start with your point of view because I, th- I know that you find the dystopian aspects of this movie particularly interesting yeah well I think <sighs> where do I start um, I think I'd, I'd read the book before I saw the film and I was aware, I think I read it because I knew the film was coming. So I thought, okay, well, this is clearly a thing. Let's see what it's about. Um, and I was really impressed with the film because it didn't feel like, you know, kind of coming off the back of sort of Twilight and Harry Potter, it, it felt like a grown-up film, actually. Mm. I, you know, yeah. it's a pro- it didn't feel like it was, you know, pandering to its youth audience. And, you know, so I, I really liked it because of that. Um, and I, what I found, I mean, I know it's in the books, but I think because of the way that the books are structured, as in they're kind of first person, and you, you only get Katniss's, you know, point of view, so you don't, that that sort of sense of world building is not there in books in the same way. I thought they did a really good job of sort of um, using lots of kind of historical references to sort of build the dystopia. Um, so, like, the, the reaping sequence at the beginning is you know, I found a horrible just because of it, mm. you know, the kids in those 1930s kind of clothes being processed, mm. you know, in this big concrete horrible space, it just, you know, deliberately, and again, I know that the kind of, the younger audience members aren't necessarily getting the kind of the holocaustiness of it, but it, you know, yeah, yeah. it had that horrible kind of weight to it and the, you know, the kind of propaganda, you know, the kind of Nazi, Soviet kind of imagery, um, the brutalism, um, you know, the, mm. I know the kind of references to Roma in the book anyway through the naming of the characters. Um, but I just really liked all of that, you know, the kind of visual references and the, the, the cattle people being, you know, kind of versions of, although queer versions, which is the thing, um, but, you know, kind of versions of the kind of French aristocracy and, you know, it was kind of You're right. very clearly mm. laying itself out visually in, in a way that I felt was more thoughtful and intelligent than 
I would have expected of a film of its type, its audience, and its budget. So, yeah. So I liked it from that perspective. <laughs> I think that it's not, you know, there are areas of kind of weakness. And I loved, I loved Woody Harrelson. I thought he's his kind of... Yeah, he's you know, so good. He's so... And, and, mm. and, but he, you know, kind of fits that part, part really, really well in that, you know... I don't I get, get it. I just thought the kind of... The, the sort of processing of starting to understand because the, the film doesn't sort of spell it out what Hayrich is and what he's been through massively. Um, so again, that's there for I think older audiences to kind of go, oh, okay, so he's he's one, and how old is he, and how many kids has he had to mentor, and how much PTSD does this guy have? You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that kind of I like that emotional kind of depth. Um, that you know he brought. I mean, I think he's there in the character, but I think he particularly brought it to life. Um, yeah, no, it's a wonderful character, and he's yeah. perfect. Yeah, and cast. I really, I really yeah. felt like they 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 cast it, and again, they cast it for a grown-up audience because again, most, I think most kids aren't going to know who those people are. And no, not who Lenny Kravitz is. <laughs> no, exactly. Not have yeah. any sort of sense of you know, kind of bringing to bear that they you know the kind of their histories as in actors like you know Sally Tucci and and, uh, and Woody Harrelson and you know to a certain extent Elizabeth Burns and certainly kind of you know as as the the franchise goes on as well it does they don't they don't stop casting really good people on the whole yeah, um, yeah. so you know it does have this kind of quality that you don't that certainly the expectation of Twilight <laughs> not kind of mm. sort of presenting no, it, no. it, you know. Um, so yeah, I feel I'm just going to keep rambling now. So somebody's going to say something. <laughs> well, Stella, do you want to come in then? What was? I mean, had you read the book first, or did you come to the books uh, with I... your daughter, or how did that work? I saw the first film first, thoroughly enjoyed it for reasons I'll get into in a second, and then I read all the books really quickly because you know they are aimed at what 12 year olds i'd say 12 13 year olds so mm. i was able to rattle through the trilogy of books really fast um i really enjoyed the books and as i was reading them i was, I was thinking you know i can't wait to read these to to my daughter she, she's gonna love these so i saw the first film read all the books then watched the second film and the third film and i went to see the final film so the second half of uh, uh the last one of mocking Mocking Jane. Jane. Yeah. i saw that in the cinema i dragged owen with me it's like i need to see, at least see the last one in the cinema um and i enjoyed the full franchise even though it was churned out i think there was a definite you know let's get this out now while while it while the going's good um but i enjoyed all of the films and the, for, there's many reasons why i find it enjoyable and and frightening on the one hand to read the books to my little girl and have her you know read her a character like Katniss who is strong heroic and brave and the very interesting dynamic that's going on between her and Peter where he's not as physically strong and heroic and brave but he isn't in a different way I thought it was an interesting female character to to read read to my kid and as I read the books to her we had an awful lot to talk about in terms of the characters and what was going on and asking her about what what contemporary politics do you see in in these stories you know does any of this feel a bit familiar Mm -hmm. um so that it was the books provided a really good talking point 
with my kid um, and she loves the films as well. We've seen the films over and over and over again. You know what kids like when they've got a DVD and they just watch it over and over again. So we know the films upside down and backwards. In terms of how the film, so the first film, how it made me feel when I first watched it, I found particularly the reaping sequences so horrifying and terrifying, maybe because I'm a parent. I don't know, Mm, but mm. the idea of they have to do it, there's nothing they can do, and if your kid's name is drawn, they're dead. And the anxiety and the worry about that, I just, like, I was just watching it, it's like, oh, my God, this is awful. Yeah. I just found it really, really Mm. powerful, and how the whole of Pan Am is just so easy with death. They're not happy about it, but everyone is just such an accepted part of life and I think maybe just because it's kids and then when you have the the sequence when they first arrive in the arena they go up through the tubes and there's the bloodbath fight and you mm. know there's like a 17 year old teenager hacking up a kid who's clearly only 11 and it's like oh god yeah. and it's all of all of the horror and anxiety in that I still find really bothersome when I watch it like I'm still sat there going oh this is this is really really uncomfortable and while the, the central idea of you know pitting people against each other to the death in an arena for entertainment is nothing new you know from right back from the sign of the cross you know we're feeding the Christians to the lions and then through to mm. the running man and you know that that concept isn't new but I'd, maybe it's the kids it's the fact that it's on a TV show mm. and the fact that you know, the in the it's what the film's ten years old now, and it feels less dystopian future and more dystopian present when you consider North America. And mm-hmm. I think the films have stood particularly well, even though they were perhaps churned out just to be like, oh, I get it done. Mm. Yeah. But I think they're they're strong films, I think, and I think the books are strong. And for kids to read and watch, I think they're fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I did enjoy actually, even though. Um, you know, I found the original film more horrific. I did enjoy the second one. I thought it was uh, like a fun sequel. It was a more fun do-over and uh, of the original. You know, the, there's a lot of the beats of the original repeated, but but on the other hand, it's got a more interesting cast. The second one, you've got um, Jeffrey Wright and yeah, Amanda yeah, yeah. Plummer and people yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it, I, I actually really enjoyed it. It was only kind of the ending which uh, indicated the way subsequent films were going to go, where I thought oh, that was not as interesting as I had hoped. But the actual film itself, I thought, was was, was fine. Um, so, Ian, what, as Stella noted, it, this movie's 10 years old. Is it 10 years since you first saw it, or is it more recent than that? Um, I've watched it quite a few times with uh, having kids, and also it's, it's weird, mm. I think there was a... <laughs> My, because I've got two, I've got well three boys, but two boys who've seen it, who are like teenagers now, and they both liked it, but it was my nieces that have watched it over and over again. Yeah. And they're a bit right. older, and they love it. <laughs> like all three of them absolutely love it, mm. and so I think there's a lot to be said for. I mean, it's so depressing, but all the research is girls will watch boy heroes boys won't watch girl heroes yeah that's yeah. that's why yeah, yeah. so many heroes just get turned into boys because you get both genders <laughs> um yeah. so but anyway but in terms of in terms of you know and it, you know it's the same with bloody star wars they go mm, not as interested because it's ray 
and but my nieces are like, yay! Yeah, I'm being represented yeah. in Star Wars. Being represented, so no, I've got sexist children. Um, but I kind of blame <laughs> the culture. Um, growing up and, um, but um, but yeah, but um, but I kind of expected it to be trash, to be honest. And then I went, this is really solid. This is really good. And then I really liked the first one. So no, I've not read the book. I thought it'd be. I don't know. I guess what was in the mix at the time, Divergent and stuff, or did that all come after? Mm. I don't know. I didn't watch it. After? I didn't watch it. In, yeah. I didn't watch it in the cinema or anything. But Divergent was a couple of years later, but it was yeah. definitely yeah. There's probably they're yeah. all kind of mixed up in my head. So I think maybe the Hunger Games had got what was the other one, Maze Runner. Yeah, and all those. Things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same yeah. time, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Weirdly, my sons will watch Maze Runner because it's a bloke. It's a boy. They're much more interested in watching Maze Runner. Come on in. You've got to do know, better than this. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll. Uh, I'm sure they'll. Uh, they'll change as they get older. They always say there's nothing more sexist or homophobic than your average teenage boy. <laughs> it's, oh. it's. It's just they, they're just they're just in this pack and they're scared at school. Aren't but anyway. Um, but uh, but yeah. But I I really like the first film and I can't really speak too much about the others because I haven't really paid them much attention other than to think I'm not enjoying this as much and but you know I'll probably maybe need to give them a proper watch but um but what's really interesting and also yeah I should add I've also then when I, I did a module in dystopia when I was teaching at Chester and so the Hunger Games was one of the one of the one of the things we uh we looked at because it, because they all the kids had seen it so at least it's one film they were going to watch um, <laughs> yeah. um, have you watched Metropolis? No, I didn't get round to it. Uh, but um, yeah, well, Hunger Games. I only yeah, watched I've a bit of it. It was boring. Uh. But um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, it, but what was really interesting when you when you sort of look into the academia of it, it's and and, and the sort of it's it's where it sits in America's culture wars mm. is you'll find people going, oh, look, this just says loads of things about the fear, the rise of the far right and everything. And then you'll get people on the far right going, look, big government, this is where woke's going to leave yeah. And mm. <laughs> And so there's a mass... And in a way, that's why it works, because it's not ramming... It's not ramming a sort of certain type of thing down your throat. People see what they want in it. And in America, both Americas saw what they wanted in it. There's a big yeah. argument that it is a right... It's, one thing about dystopia is is they're generally seen as left-wing fears they tap into left-wing fears most of the time um you know so people like us watch dystopias because we're living in safe western place where actually we're quite free and we go oh just imagine if um things were (laughs) awful and we can get a sort of visceral thrill out of it is one of the negatives about um but with the hunger games it's the fact they're there's their sets you know the heroes are there's a lot of depression era iconography yeah. which yeah. is mm-hmm. very good old america not hey yeah. look capitalism mm-hmm. shit look what happened in the depression it's look at that it's one of the legends of uh, of uh, proud american folk in the dust bowl so it's got that sort of thing going on um also they're in the coal mining area which is very much very much a red state thing the democrats it's kind of the opposite to the uk the democrats closed the coal mines so really hardcore republican followers in coal mining areas and then there's the holly weird thing when people people on the right in america they they, the decadence like like you say they're queer coded and in a way borderline 
homophobia all the yeah, weirdos yeah, yeah. all the freaks yeah, yeah. all the nuts in hollywood we don't want to be like we don't want to be like california that's that's a lot of, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of america's big fear holly weird the capital in panem which controls all the districts is the center of wealth isn't it so you have mm. this and it's kind of ultra decadence everybody yeah who who lives there dresses and behaves and speaks in an uh, incredibly heightened way and the contrast between that that colorful decadence and the kind of sackcloth working class uh well poverty stricken existence that basically everybody else in in the in the world seems to in the, when I say in the world, within Panem, within the, in the various districts, not having seen all of the subsequent films and read the books, um, but it seems like everybody outside the capital lives in the in this poverty and this colourless back to nature. The only kind of sense of joy, which is a key part of Katniss's character, I guess, is that um, these districts are kind of on the edge of. Um, the natural world you can go into the forests and you mm. can um and hunt and things like that and therefore there's a sense of more of a harmony with nature yeah, yeah. Um, but, but again that's completely missing that's tapping into sort of sort of nativist um mm. traditions of woodsmen yeah. and davy crockett hats and and being you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. being close to yeah. being close to the earth and being all you know can, can i can i she's borderline cowboy isn't she yeah, can I interject cool. just with, 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 I'm sorry, but it is going to be a, a spoiler. So, but hopefully not cool. an unpredictable spoiler. So, one of the things, I'm with Stella in terms of, you know, Echo's seen this and, you know, watched the films. And, and when I first watched them, I thought, you know, I, she was just a, a baby at the time. And I thought, this would be nice to sort of show her when she's old enough this, you know, resilient, stoic, self-reliant female hero and that's she's such a, a fantastic character um from you know kind of those non you know traditional kind of female representation and that's brilliant um but the kind of the whole franchise ends really sort of sadly they do a bit of a trinity on her i think um mm. in that you know the, the kind of they, they, they go breakfast club in, <laughs> it ends up suggesting that her all of those kind of positive progressive representations of her having sort of strength and you know all of that that ultimately that that's a kind of product of the dystopia itself and that her happy ending is in a dress with children you know in a kind of pastoral life yeah. Oh, and that's no, just no. like yeah and it's just like but that's not you know she that's not what she wants she says at the beginning i'm hmm. never having kids yeah, yeah. and it's like yeah. Yeah, don't. <laughs> oh God, is that, that 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 again is quite again that's quite, quite regressive and reactionary in that yeah, yeah. that's obviously set up as her flaw. No, you're going to be a lovely American homemaker. Yeah, yeah, that's, absolutely. Uh, that's where you're going. That, you know, that whole <laughs> ending of it is shot is you know shot in a way that is very much encoded to be read as this is everything now in this world is lovely and fine and you know and she can be she can be a proper woman now because she doesn't have to worry about fighting you know fighting the system <laughs> and the oppression she's no longer oppressed look at her in her lovely dress and with her children and then and then does does it does oh. it segue into her her marrying a commander and uh and uh <laughs> and, and wishing, wishing no. she wasn't part of this regime well, yeah. until in the first film though she's she really hates that performative 
femininity mm. that she mm. hates getting washed down she hates yeah. getting her legs waxed she hates having her eyebrows plucked she hates yeah. the dress she that's says to Senna yeah, at brilliant. some point i feel i feel stupid i hate this dress what am i doing she feels yeah. like a right twat for having to wear the wedding dress so all the way through she's like i don't want to be like this yeah, yeah it's it, it, it's one of the it's one of the one of the lines it walks isn't it well yeah and she's forced into in in, in order to survive one of the things she has to do is to pretend to be in love with Peter mm. and mm. to give him kisses. And she's in the book, she's deeply uncomfortable with it and yeah. because we're in, we're in her head mm. in the book. But in the film... It's not quite as clear, is it? It, it wasn't as clear no. as, as I would have liked that she didn't want yeah. to mm. be doing that. And she does she does no, like Peter, like nothing it, is forced, but... It reads she's... as a straightforward love story in the films that I've yeah. seen so far. Yeah. And yeah. she does it, seem it, to just fall for him. Yeah. It doesn't in the first yeah. one as much, though, does it? No, well, it's think... gradual, but... Yeah, well, I think I mean... the first one, it's like, like all these shots of Gale, like, we need to be reminded of Gale every time, you know, there's a moment with Peter mm. and Katniss in the arena. And it's, you know, there's... I think it's one minute... Well, there's two moments in it where, they, so, you know, she gets a note from Hamish, isn't she, with the seat, oh, cool, that a kiss. Um, yeah. And then you know, and he says like, "Oh, I can sell the you know the kind of star star crossed lovers or something yeah, like yeah. that." Yeah. Mm. Um, so you know, and those are things that he that Hamish says only ever to Katniss, not to both of them. And mm. uh, yeah, I think the film could have you know been stronger in that. But then that maybe that the interesting thing in the book is is that she, you know it's clear that she's she's just it's playing the game in order to, yeah. to survive. Um, but that, you know, is that did, did Lionsgate think maybe that's not going to play quite as well to our that's a bit line, more... love, um, love triangle, you know? Yeah, but... the love triangle is not as clear in the no. films, is it? No. In the in the book, in the she book. spends more time no. ruminating yeah. over it. Yeah. Well, again, again, I mean, America's America's a place that a lot of people will be looking at a website, seeing how family appropriate it is, and mm. some, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a girl who's being promiscuous you know kissing someone she doesn't like um is maybe a line in of a i mean it's weird that sort of the the studio in real life and the studio in the film are kind of making mm. weird decisions to manipulate the audience yeah um, but, but 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 the the line it walks which i've which i've sort of witnessed with my nieces is is my nieces you know, some some of them, are, you know, my my oldest niece is very much Katniss with a bow, but others are a bit more, wet, you know, <laughs> they wore a lot more pink when they were younger, and the line it walks is is she looked amazing in that dress, doesn't she look pretty and amazing, and and the character goes, I hate this, I hate these dresses, but at the same time, it, the film's having its cake and eat it because yeah. she looks amazing in those dresses. Yeah, of course she does. Yeah, and, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. And you know. so so it's a kind of interesting. Yeah. Showing her being uncomfortable in it, but I mean, yeah. maybe we shouldn't get too much into what happens in the other films because uh, I can't yeah. comment on them. But it sounds very disappointing that they end up that way. Yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah. But in the first film, it doesn't that she just doesn't, you know, she doesn't like having to be a girl in that traditional way, and it's sort of yeah. solid. So uh, within that one film. She's the girl with a bow who runs around in the woods. <laughs> and why did she need to change that much? Mm. But um, but yeah, they 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 um, they kind of made the word dystopia an instant sell. 
to a whole generation. These movies, like every mm, yeah, kid goes, I like dystopia, like the amount of kids you it, hear at schools and stuff. It's interesting. What, what do you like? That I like became a, yeah, it's interesting that, that became like a staple of of young adult fiction. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, instantly popular. Um, yeah, because there are so many uh, strains of dystopian teenage fiction, aren't there? There's uh, the Mortal Engines and things like that. Um, it's yeah. I, I I don't know if I can think of a non-dystopian one off the top of my head, but obviously my knowledge of kind of popular teenage fiction is probably not. Um, very thorough. No. Um, well, I, I really like the the one hundred when that came out on TV, which is based on based on a bunch of books. Did you ever see that? No. That's set no. set after a nuclear war, and the only survive a bit in the future. There's a nuclear war, and Earth gets annihilated. But the rest, human. I'm gonna let you get away with saying nuclear, Ian. Nuclear. <laughs> Atomic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a nuclear war, and uh, and um, yeah, and the and the and, and a lot of the uh, a lot of the human all the humans that make that survive um, are in orbit in sort of quite advanced space stations, but then obviously they have to then survive for hundreds of years and have kids up there. So they were kind of so it's got sort of shades of Battlestar Galactica, but in orbit. But then the 100 were a bunch of kids, teenagers, led by a very Katniss Everdeen-style heroine, who then get told, um, "We're going to go and see if Earth's worth worth repopulating. You you kids are naughty. Off you go." So it's the 100 kids sent down to the to the Earth. But it's really good if you've got a teenager who likes the Hunger Games. Then the 100 is really good. Um, Didn't they get accused of queer baiting? I think they might yeah. have done. When like, they I didn't. I, I probably lost interest toward when it on about season five or something. But I seem to think. Yeah. Oh, what's the name from from Fear the Walking Dead? Is in it quite young, and I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think yeah, there's some, a lesbian character. Yeah, I think there's some sort of kissing. And sleeps with her, go- with her girlfriend. Yeah. she gets uh, murdered like moments later, and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Le- lesbians must be killed as soon as they, as soon as they fall in love. One of them must die. Yeah, yeah. The dead evil lesbian role. Yes. Oh dear. So uh, ever since Tara in Buffy, they still do it. Even though the backlash from Tara was quite huge twenty years ago, mm. they're still doing God, it. God, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jane. Um. So, that's, that's a massive um, spoiler if you haven't seen uh, Buffy. <laughs> but yes, too late. Well, you've had time, so you know. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Buffy. Um, uh, but yeah, th- that's really interesting in terms of the um, the kind of ideological uh, positioning of this dystopia because that didn't occur to me at all when I was watching it. Um, so you're watching fascist propaganda. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, I. I, it didn't occur to me, and maybe this is a um, a mark of the the quality of the film storytelling. It didn't occur to me that I'm probably more like the people in the capital than, <laughs> yeah. um, than most of the of the heroes of the film. Um, yeah. And you know what? 
uh, the Capitals got Toby Jones and Lenny Kravitz in it. I would definitely go and, and live there. Um, <laughs> having said that, Elizabeth Banks, I didn't even recognise when I was watching the oh, movie. She's so great. She's fantastic. She's fantastic um, she plays role. the wonderfully named Effie Trinket. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. kind, kind yeah. of like the agent um, who who promotes Katniss and Peter yeah, as tributes, and, the, and she links them with Haymitch. Oh no, and and I um, I I really did enjoy in the second film the fact that you just get a little bit more of a sense of sympathy mm. towards that character, which I guess will develop. Um, as the series goes along, yeah. but in, in the first film, she's she's kind of almost inhuman, um, mm. but very funny. Um, yeah. The way she, as I guess all, all the capital people have, they 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 will enter into the district um, areas um, and still have full confidence that they um, are they belong there and that they are the way they ought to be but just visually uh, and and behavior wise they just don't belong in that milieu at all you know she she walks into this kind of farmyard borough in her high heels and all that mm. and, and that kind of floaty costume um but no she's incredible and i thought she was great even before I realised that she was Elizabeth Banks, I just didn't recognise her because the makeup she's wearing is so stark. Those big wigs. Yeah. 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 Huge yeah, hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, one of the things, it's obviously, it's obviously, I mean, I think you mentioned aristocrats. It's obviously the ultimate decade. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the Sun King's court, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. It's just before mm-hmm. the revolution. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's. I mean, it's a strange one because a lot of people are there going, "This, this is a, this is a warning about if the Democrats took over, and Hollywood was allowed <laughs> to uh, to rule America." And then you look at it, but also you could look at it and go, "This is straight up, you know, pro-communist propaganda mm. on a basic level because mm. it's a bunch of capitalist decadents um, who need their heads mm. chopping off." <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so in a weird way, it's it just sort of shows every you know every every. I mean, especially in America, there is this sort of weird mixture of, you know, they, both sides both sides fear fascism, and yeah. both sides think the other side is fascism. Um, there's this sort of very weird, you know, the first thing Hitler did was ban the guns, kind of side of on the on the, on the right, and then there's the then people on the left are going, no, I think you guys are kind of fascist because <laughs> you're horrible and racist. Um, so it's, uh, it's yeah. Yeah, it, it's a shame because it's very difficult to get two sides to have a conversation when they're both saying the same things about each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But, can I just come in there for, for a second? Just that, that, something I've been sort of percolating a bit is that there's the... the I think I was when I was sort of researching it to start teaching it because I've been teaching this film for about ten years now. So when it, when mm-hmm. it, when it right. you know, it was, oh okay, nine years probably. Um, but when I, I first started researching, kind of looking into kind of representation issues and things like that, and I came across the um, Anita Sarkeesian kind of comparison video between the book and the film and kind of her sort of evaluation, okay. and she she said something that I thought was really insightful. 
which is that there's a kind of cognitive dissonance in the film and it at least kind of goes back to that i think the way that it plays to both kind of factions um and you know what you were saying earlier in about the idea of you know she's kind of she's uh objectified but she's also you know a character is objecting that like, objectification mm-hmm. rejecting the objectification rather um and she talks uh, uh Dr. talks about how um in the in the bit where clove dies that there's this weird kind of cognitive distance because the whole film is set up on this idea that you know kids going into the arena is horrible absolutely horrible you know and that's where the horror is is you know what a terrible dystopian society that this is what they do um for for, for you know entertainment for sports for you know punishing or reminding you know people about you know what what the cost is when they rise up um and then um you know you have clove who you know is another tribute and she's in the arena and she's portrayed all the way through as being not very nice um so when she dies because she's you know essentially in getting in katniss's way that uh sarkisian was talking about that when she watched it in the cinema that the, that the audience cheered the audience <laughs> in the cinema cheered when clove died and she says, well, what is, you know, what is happening here? That, like, you know, that it, either you have to be consistent about the message, which is children killing children is horrible and they should all be treated the same, or mm. you're saying yeah, that it's yeah. okay in certain And even like Cato at the end, you know, he gets mm. a sympathetic ending because he has this big, you know, railing against the, you know, I was always going to die and I've always, you know. Um, mm. And so she's the only one that in in the kind of world of the film has this death where we're expected to support it and like it and you know and I, I that sort of started me on the track of thinking about like throughout the film all of the deaths that Katniss is related to either directly or indirectly you know and mm. we're always on the right side you know she's always on the right side of it she's never... Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I can understand. Like, she didn't actually kill Glimmer. It was just like a product of her getting out of the tree. And she doesn't, she kills Marvel, but only because he's already, you know, put a spear through Rue. So, you know, that's kind of its retribution. And then Kato, mm. it's a mercy killing. So that's okay. You know, so she's responsible for, for three deaths in the end. Mm. You know, but they're all like, oh, it's acceptable. Um, you know, and I, and I just thought it was really interesting that idea of, you know, because either the deaths are horrific because they're children, or they're not. You, you know, you can't, shouldn't really yeah. probably yeah, be yeah. playing with where the line is on that one. Yeah, well, we, uh, even though it's fiction, we're watching, you know, hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're getting the same thing as the Romans did out of gladiators. Yeah, even yeah. Though, even, yeah, though yeah. We've won, even though we know it's made up. Yeah. And I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess in a way that's that's also, you know, just as we're we're guilty of objectifying them as the film objectifies them, we're also guilty yeah. of going cool violence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at these kids killing each other. That's fun. Although I have to I have a little a fun anecdote. So one year, so um, I, I think it's Interfilm or Film Club or whatever the the, the um national you know kind of film education. Oh, it was film education at the time. Agency was. They used to do these these days where you could go, you could take groups of students and, and you know schools could go to the cinema and there'd be a program of films on. So one year it was the Hunger Games and my my you know year thirteen students were studying the Hunger Games. So I thought, okay, take them down there. We went to Cine World. We were a group of thirty and the cinema was completely packed out with two rival <laughs> secondary schools. 
And there was a minute in the middle of the film where the Hunger Games wasn't on the screen anymore. It had come into the cinema, and there was a big kickoff, a big actual fight, and teachers had to get involved and pull these kids apart. My God. <laughs> so that was much oh, more gee. kind of, you know, real world visceral. Um, experience of watching the Hunger Games. <laughs> I was anticipating. That's hilarious. It was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, th- I think that's one reason the dogs come in at the end as well, isn't it? So, so we get a peril that we can all be comfortable with as well. They're like yeah. they're in the ri- film. They're much in the book. Though they're much better in the book. They're they're mutts. Yeah. But they're mutts of the dead tributes. Oh yeah. So God. each one looks a bit like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's oh, tr- really it's truly horrifying in the book. Well, yeah. that'd be much better. Uh, but in the film, they're just like that, that's always the weakest dogs, bit for me. The CGI. Yeah. CGI yeah, yeah, that yeah. somehow comes. I mean, how advanced are they? Yeah. Well, yeah, they just make living animals out of them. Like, I know you can make CGI more. that looks like CGI, but you make living animals like something from the year three thousand in Star Trek. Like living nanotech. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Just seemed yeah. like a big jump for me yeah, to have yeah, yeah. CGI yeah. that in the book was real. In the book, Katniss realizes, doesn't she, that one one of the mutts is is Glimmer because mm. it's it's got blonde hair and and stuff, and she has this moment of realization that they've taken the children's corpses and mutated them to attack at the end. And, yeah. yeah, that would make sense, and also intense. wouldn't yeah. be like this weird CGI yeah. hollow deck. Like, but also solid CGI far, is quite quite far too much for the audience. Yeah, because Sorry, what's Kirsty, the, what's the what film got? Has the film it? got a twelve certificate? Yeah, no, yeah. So they they in the UK and um, they had to make some changes. So they had to darken bits to take some of the the sound in the, the opening of the games. They have to take to out some of the. Yeah. So like the for example, so the the version that you can currently watch or used to be able to watch on Amazon is the American cut and it's got all the digital blood, which I didn't realise. Yeah, when that's I showed, the one on Netflix showed, now. Yeah, yeah showed my showed Echo is like, oh, this has got much more. This is you know, this is much more bloody. So they took all that out in the UK to make it. Yeah, so I remember my son's going. There's a there's quite a horrible decapitation, isn't there? Mm. And. And I remember watching it with my nieces, and they all screamed. And I watched it with my sons, and they were they were like, "Cool!" <laughs> Much more engaged. Once there's a horrible decapitation, um, mm-hmm. even though it was some stupid girl running around. <laughs> Seeing as we're talking about the um, the actual combat uh, element of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, how familiar are we all with uh, what Stella mentioned earlier, the kind of lineage of, of this kind of um, tale? Um, so, for instance, bef- makes before me, the Hunger Games, there was Battle Royale, Royale, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Battle Royale. Battle yeah. Royale. Battle Royale. The Running Man. Game I used to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I never saw Battle Royale. Um, the Running Man I saw, and also I'll put this link in the show notes. There is a, a video on YouTube called The Running Man the Musical. Oh well, wow. and <laughs> where there's wow. a, there's a guy who does who has an amazing ability to sing songs in the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh uh, and, and they've, That's a they've kind of gone through the whole filmography, turning them into, into musicals. But in the Running Man one, the main lyrical refrain is "Fuck you, the Hunger Games." <laughs> it's basically just a five minute long uh, rip at the Hunger Games for for nicking the the Running Man's idea, but obviously when the yeah. Running Man did it, it was an old idea. Oh yeah. Um, I think maybe the Romans even nicked it off someone. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Because what strikes me as being maybe a more contemporary, not contemporary, although it's not that new now, but um, is it Series 7, The Contenders? Which is like the yes. it was a low-budget American um, sort of, yeah, kind of horror. But it was all, it, like, it. you watched it, and it was, you know, essentially kind of reality TV, you know, kind of kill to the death, you know, kind of interceptory thing um, across America. And it sort of played out as the last three episodes in, in this this series um, yeah right. it was great it was, I, really... yeah, I remember hearing about that <laughs> yeah but i mean just in terms of the kind of media you mm. know kind of you know the, the yeah, media discourses which the hunger Games shares that you know playing mm. to the audience and kind of you know getting the audience behind you i thought it was, it was really good I, I mean i think that i could well the impression that i get having not seen many of these other films is that this kind of story tends to be uh, you're encouraged to enjoy the violence and the spectacle of them all killing each other mm-hmm. whereas the Hunger Games does strive for that uh, deeper sense of these are just children um, mm-hmm. being forced to fight each other it's all wrong um, so it, do, do, do we think that the Hunger Games is the only one that does that? Are they all just much more kind of, most of them well, are think, more kind of violent fun? Well, I think Battle Royale has an element of that certainly because again they're all school mm. kids, aren't they? But, the, um, but that's yeah. a eighteen. Sort of yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there is, weirdness. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I said that it has an element of it, as in we're you know kind of position to feel sympathy because they are kids, but ultimately yeah. it's sort of you know kind of yeah Japanese kind of splatter, bleh, you know, mm. um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, I yeah. Think it's certainly the most moral, but you know, right? Mm. I think you know, but that goes to the audience, doesn't it? So yeah, well, yeah, that that does make sense. Well, they, 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 gonna... they they're quite good in that they, you know, I mean, it's quite basic <coughs> stuff, but they basically have a bunch of baddies, even though, even though, they, they, I mean, in a way, they kind of undermine straight away the horror of mm. the fact that everyone's innocent, which actually would be much more interesting. With by going, and here's a bunch of posh kids who like doing this and really want to go in there. So they automatically have a bunch of baddies that it's all right for you to kill because they're trying to kill you. Mm, um, yeah. So, which is all cool for a 12 certificate, but in a weird way, maybe straight away undermines the, the horror we're talking about. That if every kid in there was innocent and didn't want to die and didn't want to fight, that would be that would be really that would be really. It would be really hard to write, but it'd be really yeah, no, it would. But I think you know, it's that like they've all got to kill each other, and no one wants yeah. to do it. But there's a horrificness, though, arguably in that, you know, in the fact that they have they have been bred to. Oh yeah, be, yeah, yeah. No, no, know, no. The I careers. Mean, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of, um, I'm kind of just, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, but it's also how you tailor this scenario yeah. for a twelve yeah. certificate. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, you know, but if you actually think no one if you actually if you actually thought everyone is everyone is catniss everyone is innocent mm. or they're not even catniss they're unprepared they're actually yeah. not very good at fighting then what does everyone do no like that would be grim and horrible and really yeah. horrifying but they they basically go oh we've got house slivering in and uh and they're all right <laughs> they're all right to kill because they're they're yeah. nasty yeah <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> But yeah, but you're right. And, and they're adult shaped as well. That's the other thing is that you know the kind of casting really, you know, 
kind of plays into that acceptability of what from an audience perspective is that they're not small children they are all clearly being played by actors in their you know 20s yeah, um, yeah. so that, that's, that's fine <laughs> yeah well they're spe- are they supposed to be sort of 18 yeah the, the, the maximum 18 at the, oldest. Yeah, at, the, at the oldest so they're playing 18 year olds but they're you know again yeah yeah countless is meant to be 16 isn't she yeah, yeah. So. she's 14 in the book she's even younger Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Wow. Um, I've got uh, an embarrassing confession to make, which is that I came out of this movie not knowing why the hell it was called The Hunger Games. <laughs> well, that and that's uh, the thing. That that's it's a big criticism, isn't it? Because I think and yeah, Stella will hopefully agree is that like in the book, she's spe- you like the hunger is like that's one of the key things. Yeah, it's, you they're, know, they're starving to yeah, death. Yeah, the starvingness of it. And whereas, you know, Hakatness does not at any point seem like she's uh, hungry. <laughs> yeah, why, why is it called well, the Hunger Games? Is it because they're not allowed any food? Well, no, but it's, it's because, like, it's like the, I think the, the film compresses the sort of sense of time yeah. that mm-hmm. you get in the book. So in the book, they're out in the wilderness for a lot longer. They've got to feed, fend for themselves and feed themselves and forage. a lot, mm. yeah, for a lot, lot longer. Um, and yeah, and so the kind of expectation. So I think there's like one reference to it in, in the training montage where the trainer sort of says, "Well, most of you will, you know, will starve to death." Yeah. And then, yeah. And then we don't really yeah, care. Yeah. Like that isn't yeah. reinforced at all in the actual. Yeah, we don't. Re- we don't get all the stuff about. Well, also, in the book, if you are they, put, if you the put book, your name in more in like times, yeah. then you in get control dome. In the so book. again. In the book, are they in like a dome, which feels like quite a small area, like it does in the film? Or they're just out in the wilderness. Now the 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 arena's constructed. Yeah. So it's built. Yeah. So it is fake. Um, and they have control over the weather and the sun and the whether it's light and dark and stuff. So it's a sort of Truman Show style. Yeah. But massive. Thing. But yeah, just, that's one thing in the film. It feels quite small. It doesn't feel huge. Yeah. Well, at some point they say she's two kilometers away from the nearest tribute, so it's big enough. I suppose so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, but but the but the idea, yeah, I, I guess that's something that kind of gets lost in the mix. The whole looking after, for you know, surviving in the wild type mm. element of it. Yeah. Yeah, I've never really thought about why is it called the whole. No, well, I suppose they have these little yeah. montages, don't they? But the, the, the kind of consequence of montages is that mm. you're not really selling yeah, that as yeah. a as a you know horrific <coughs> horrific experience for anybody. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. it's some nice upbeat music, and here she is, and she's hunting, and there she's got some squirrels, and she's up a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's having um, a lovely time. <laughs> I guess they don't focus on the people that aren't getting anything to eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not just Jennifer Lawrence either, because I know that she received a lot of criticism for not looking, you know, hungry enough, but nobody does. Um, you know, they all look fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're obviously not starving their uh, peasant population enough because no. they all no. look they all look pretty well fed in uh, in the districts. <laughs> well, it, well, they, they can't do anything except make food, can they? I mean, that's yeah, yeah. probably just eating bread by the look of it. They're not. Yeah. 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 Uh, they, <laughs> they don't get to treat themselves. Uh, oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. But um, okay, so if we wrap up on the Hunger Games, then is there anything any of you would like to say before we we finish on that? It's been a really interesting chat. I'm going to watch the sequels at some point. 
properly mm. and uh maybe by myself without kids screaming and being bored and texting and <laughs> yeah and, and it helps watching anything really oh well, yeah it? yeah <laughs> it just it just really affects how you how you see a film <laughs> if it's fine if they're really into it but if they're vaguely drifting you don't know is that the yeah. film's fault or is it my child's fault <laughs> child yeah <laughs> or a bit of both but uh i just like know. to can i just mention because we haven't all the mm. way through and it's you know it's, it's wes bentley who you know <laughs> yes, my record, about... didn't you know yeah. like was american beauty and then mm. then suddenly well, he's in the yeah. game uh, yeah. And then, like, was it was it after the Hunger Games that he goes into American Horror Story? He is in those, isn't he, Stella? Yeah. 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 Um, but, but yeah, yeah he, did, he 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 did a few a few movies, but nothing particularly big. Yeah. yeah in between, there was that, definitely that so. you know that American Beauty period where it looked like oh my gosh, like here was a really interesting young actor who's going to do lots and lots of stuff, and then he just didn't. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it was oh, nice. Well. It's nice to see him again, and and like the sculpting of that beard was. Oh, yeah. that beard that is epic. Amazing. <laughs> getting it, getting it the same every time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now. Yeah. Continuity, <laughs> no, no. Continuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His beard's it's immaculate. His beard's a millimetre different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, he's great actually. Yeah, he plays the game maker, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, we've not even mentioned yeah. Donald Sutherland yet either, who uh, also brilliant. Who is he's good as yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a wonderfully subtly malevolent yeah. figure as the president, and um, yeah, I love his. Yeah, the I love first his film doesn't use poison berries and things. And... Yeah, it really doesn't overuse him. The first film, no. mm. that's really good, and you, you get a bit more of him in the follow-up. But um, still yeah. doesn't, you know, still uses him quite sparingly, mm. and he's really effective. I mean, you know, what a movie star, yeah, and a yeah, great yeah. role for him. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and in fact, he's in in one of my recommendations for this week. So, oh. are we happy to to move on from the Hunger Games yeah. and do mm-hmm. our final recommendations? So, um, my recommendation is. Uh, a movie that Howard and I talked about on one of the very early episodes of this podcast, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, the 1965 Amicus anthology. I noticed that as we record next week, it's appearing on Legend. Um, you might have missed that chance to watch it by the time this episode goes up, but it's often on there. It's also on a number of streaming services, including, I think, some of the free ones. Um, it used to be on Shudder. I think it's probably even on YouTube. Um, and I recommend wholeheartedly um, anyone to check it out and then listen to our podcast about it because it, um, <laughs> we had an, an, an immense time talking about it. And I think the movie is really interesting in that um, it's it's got a really eclectic cast. So it's got Donald Sutherland in it in, in one of his first roles. But it's also got Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and a kind of um, a few tr- uh, a few well-known horror faces, and a lot of actors and and uh, actresses from the from sort of sixties TV. It's got, but what's really nice about it is the range that you get in it. It's got a it's an anthology story film, and it has a couple of very good stories, a couple of not very good stories, and one story which is one of the worst things ever put on film. <laughs> um, but it's only like twenty Gotta minutes watch long. That, so if you, well, 
I do think it's it's one of those things that's so bad it's kind of instructive and also hilarious. There's a badly dubbed dog in it as well. Um, it's the first movie that I, where I realised that, wait a minute, those animals are not making animal noises. They've been dubbed by actors. So like there's a dog that goes... <laughs> but apparently that was quite common practice and maybe still is maybe those kind of voice actors are much better um and we just never notice but uh yeah so that's my recommendation i also want to mention um the off the back of the hunger games i started watching the handmaid's tale again um mm-hmm. as i said the kind of oppressive dystopia just reminded me of that and i'm actually a few years behind on the, on the handmaid's tale and the whole series is currently on all four so um, I, I'd left it off at the end of series two and I've just watched series three, which I've immensely enjoyed. And I'm going to wait until a bit more of season five has been released. Yeah, uh, yeah and like The Hunger Games, there's no, uh, there's no mistaking which side of the political divide The Hunger Games <laughs> Tale is on. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah have, have you all kept up with it over the I've, years? I haven't watched any of the latest one. But we're about to. No. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the so same. I have to watch and it then... with Kelly. It's one of the few things that has crossover appeal <laughs> between me and, me and my wife. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to watching that. It's it's got a little bit like mm, I could. Is this the last season? Because I'm kind of probably ready for it to finish. Yeah, I think so. um, it's got a little bit spinning the wheels. Well, that was interesting, actually. Um seeing as we we had a a micro review of the hunger games from ross earlier in the episode i was talking about the handmaid's tale to him and he's not watched it since the first series and he said how many series are there now and i said five and he said it's not really the handmaid's tale then is it it's more like the handmaid's epic (laughs) yeah yeah um no it is it does it does generally expand the universe and in quite a way that i want to keep watching but it has it has occasional storylines which are like so quick. It's a bit like, why did he bother with that one? Like they go to a new right. setup on a new thing, and it's like, oh, is this going to be like a whole new, you know, a whole new um, sort of scenario? And then it's done and dusted by the next week. And it's a bit like, oh, okay. So right. the, the, it's quite bitty in some places, but then right. I like how much it involves Canada and and where it's heading towards. In a sort of more geopolitical way, um, mm. but um, but it does tend to go. Okay, why is she still in America in Gilead? Why she's given quite a few opportunities to not be in Gilead anymore, and it it oh. it, it it kind of uh, stretched my credulity that she wouldn't just fuck off to Canada when she had the chance. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but I'm 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 really liking the peripheral at the moment, which isn't which isn't horror although yeah. it has some quite horrific it has a brilliant bit with someone having their eye taken out so it's got some quite <laughs> quite horrible bits um is that on amazon prime amazon yeah. it is, isn't it yeah amazon prime yeah, yeah, yeah. and i also mention it because i kind of went oh this is really good and it's from the guys who did um westworld and and then the reviews yeah. have been awful loads mm. of people just hating it and so i'll mention that I really enjoying it, and it's it's one of the series I'm like can't wait for it to come on, and is uh you know that and Andor, which is also not horror, 
but I'm loving Andor. Yeah. Oh really? That's yeah. another one that most people absolutely hate. Well, I'm they're wrong. It's the, be- it's the best it. of all of them. It's the best yeah, of no, all I of them. I agree. I agree strongly. Absolutely I agree. brilliant. Right. Well, I tell you why it's good though. Like my kids love Star Wars and they love mo- nearly everything that Star Wars produces, and they really love the Mandalorian and Boba Fett and all those spin-offs and and or they call boring this is star wars for dads so <laughs> <laughs> it's the one of them that they've decided they can't be bothered to watch because nothing happens and i'm there going but it's Stellan skarsgård being amazing yeah and diego luna oh, and it's got andy circus in it later on yeah. being absolutely amazing as well so yeah, uh right. yeah so that's okay that's what i'm watching not much horror. Uh, Kirsty and Stella, have you got any um, recommendations um, before I'm, we finish the episode? Uh, only only um, Guillermo de Toro's um, Cabinet of Curiosities, which I've been quite enjoying. Um, I've not seen all oh. of them yet, but the ones, that, again, sort of standalone anthology kind of horror episodes um, that are, you know, yeah, of horror of different types, they're all so far been very, very different. Um, he's really. Yeah, so we've got episodes directed by people like Jennifer Kent, Anna Lindley Amapur, um, Vincenzo oh. Natale, and uh, Guillermo Navarro, amongst others. Um, and yeah, and I've really, really been enjoying those as a sort of, you know, horror picks. I, I've discovered those, I can't do two in one evening. Like, it's very much like a <laughs> one. One is enough. It's quite dense. And then right. something light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a palate cleanser. What stream is that? Yeah. Disney Plus. It's on Netflix. Netflix. Oh, well. Oh, Netflix. That's, I'll key that up. Sounds great. Okay. God, we're spoiled, aren't we? For we are spoiled. We are indeed. How about you, Stella? I'm watching The Watcher, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. That's on Netflix, halfway through. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But halfway through, and it's very, very good. I was... Oh, okay. I wanted to watch more, and I haven't yet, and I'm going to, but I was a little bit... The reviews of that have been terrible as well. Um, yeah, well, but I, reviews. Who cares? No, no. But, but I, I did. I did find myself going, mm. not entirely convinced. But I, I am definitely going to go back to it because I really like. I really like the actors, and I really like the sort of general weird feel of it. So I'll, I'll report back when I've watched episode two. Naomi Watts is. Okay, no. I'd love Naomi Watts. Just do. Naturally. <laughs> all right, everybody, that's all our recommendations in, and that's The Hunger Games. So that is the end of this episode. Thank you so much for your contributions. And, wow. and... I'm going to go get something to eat now. May the odds well, yes, always be in your favour. Yes. I'm, I'm going to yeah. go back to writing my fucking script. <laughs> delete, delete, <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, good luck. All right, well, and thank you, listener, for listening. And we'll be back with I'm not sure what, but very soon. All right, thanks everyone. Walking Dead. Bye bye. Bye. You have been listening to, and now the podcast starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by Stella Gaynor, Kirsty Warrow, Ian Winterton, and T.D. Velasquez. Special thanks. To Greg Hume for our original theme music and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. 
All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at andnowpod or at Lee Cushing Pod. Follow us on Twitter at And Now Podcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash And Now Podcast. And now the podcast stops.